Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us today for this College Sports Communicators live webinar presented by Gipper. I'm Lydia, Partner Marketing Manager at Gipper, the number one social media content creation and management platform for sports organizations. For quick background on Gipper, we are an all-in-one solution for your use of social media as a collegiate athletic department that will help you grow your social media presence while also giving you hours back in your day. We offer easy to use tools for the entire social media workflow, from managing your photos and videos, to creating your graphics, and of course, to publishing content to your social channels. We're proud to be an official partner of CSC, as well as over 4,000 athletic departments across the country. We're so excited that you joined us for today's webinar tailored specifically for communication professionals in collegiate athletic departments. This afternoon, we'll examine the top trends and strategies in sports social media in 2024, and discuss innovative techniques and tools to better engage your audience and amplify your program's brand. We have three excellent speakers presenting today to help you ensure a relevant social media strategy in 2024. Matthew Glick is the founder and CEO at Gipper. He's a former Division I athlete who has spent almost 10 years in sports technology, building Gipper in close partnership with thousands of athletic departments. He's a regular speaker on social media best practices, including at last year's CSC convention. Kristen Keller has worked at all levels of College of Athletics, from Power Five to NAIA. The College Sports Communicator's 30 Under 30 recipient worked her way up from a student assistant to her current position as Associate Athletic Director for Communications and Digital Strategy at UC Santa Barbara. Robert Rosa is in his fourth year leading the creative department at Gipper. He's amassed over 10 years of collegiate athletic experience across all divisions. As the lead creative for brands like the Big 12 Conference, St. John's University, and SUNY New Paltz, Robert has executed strategic brand and content initiatives, which he'll touch on during today's discussion. Please feel free to ask questions in the questions area of this Zoom, as we want today's conversation to be an interactive one. And in the coming days following the webinar, you'll receive a link to watch the recording on demand, along with some additional resources and ways to get in touch with Gipper. We are so thrilled that you've joined us today. And at this time, I'd like to hand it over to our presenters to get the conversation started. Awesome, thank you, Lydia. And uh, I'm gonna jump in here and say a big thank you to CSC, uh, as well as all of you who are joining uh, remote from your computers, wherever you are. Uh, we know it is always a busy time in collegiate athletics and especially coming uh, off of New Year's, heading into 2024, I'm sure there's a lot uh, that you all have to work on. So we're very excited and proud to have you here. Uh, and we've got an awesome, awesome session. I'm uh, with some great folks here in Kristen and Robert, and we've got a tremendous amount of information to share with you. And so to kick it off, uh, I wanna start off uh, with an agenda to just give you a little bit of context in terms of where we are headed. And so the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna examine uh, 2024 trends in social. Uh, this is a list of trends that we've identified uh, based on polling from a range uh, of different uh, things and places, including not only professional sports, uh, collegiate athletics over the past few years, but also just general social media trends uh, in the larger world of marketing uh, beyond collegiate athletics. And then taking those trends, uh, we're gonna 
jump into actual best practice examples to bring them to life and maybe even spark some inspiration. And we're gonna be pulling examples uh, from Kristen and UCSB, as well as looking at some other areas and folks uh, to pull in from. And then we'll end with uh, tools and tips. We know that you are all coming from a range of roles and athletic departments. And that means your access to resources, your strategic initiatives may be different. So we're gonna try to attack this in a holistic way where you're gonna be able to walk away with some amount of value, no matter who you are or what program you work for. But these are gonna be tips and tools that you can use to implement uh, and to improve things at your program almost right away. And so hopefully again, you can come off uh, this session with something that's actionable uh, where you can actually go ahead and make sure that you're moving your program forward from a social media perspective. Um, and then of course, Q&A, as Lydia said, feel free to ask questions as we're going uh, on with the uh, discussion. If there's a timely question, we're gonna try to sneak it in. Uh, we've got our eye on the clock though, and we wanna make sure that uh, we're moving along with, a with time. So if we don't answer the question right away, we will do our best to circle up afterwards. And of course, I know myself, Robert Christen, uh, we're happy to answer questions uh, offline as well. So uh, lots of ways to get in touch. We'll talk about that later, but let's jump into uh, the 2024 trend in social media. And so we have five trends that we're gonna be talking uh, through here. Social as a search engine, user-generated content, unhinged versus planned content, visual branding, and AI. Uh, probably not surprised to see AI in here. Uh, 2023, obviously, a lot of discussion. Generally, it would be hard to miss, uh, maybe if you were living under a rock, but I know for folks in collegiate athletics, that is not the case. And so, yes, we will be touching on AI in this discussion. But there's four other big topics, some of which you may be familiar with, uh, we're going to go ahead and define them just to make sure that we're all on the same level playing field. You have a good understanding of what each of these are. And then we're going to go right into those examples uh, to hopefully spark some inspiration uh, in your departments. So the first trend uh, that we're going to talk about here is social media as a search engine. And so I want to start off by uh, showing this chart uh, that Chris and Robert and I have talked about for quite some time now. And this is the percentage of internet users who use each channel as a primary source of information when researching brands. And this was from Q3 of 2021. So these numbers have only grown in support of the social networks since then with the explosion of TikTok, particularly for the last couple of years. But even looking at this 2021 data, if you look at the 16 to 24 year old age bracket, right at the top of the chart, that is a key, key demographic for collegiate athletics. You're talking about prospective student athletes and students period uh, that could potentially be coming to your institution. You're looking at current student athletes, obviously a key demographic to engage uh, when you're working within the athletic department. And then you're looking at young alumni, uh, folks that are critical to keep engaged, particularly on your digital channels in order to drive long-term giving back to your institution. And so prospective student athletes, current student athletes transfers, and also um, young alumni, all in this upper section of the chart who are coming to social networks more than search engines as the primary destination for information when researching brands. That means they're not going to Google and searching and landing on a website. They're going into Instagram, into TikTok, Right? They're searching on these social platforms 
And so that means the digital real estate that your social platforms have is so, so critical um, because these folks are coming to your channels first rather than the website. Really, really important. I don't know if Chris and Robert, there's anything else you want to add here? We have a couple more slides to go deeper on this topic, but uh, it's something that's just blown up over the past few years on social media generally. I want to make sure everyone's thinking about it uh, in this way as a search engine. Okay, cool. All right, and here's an article from the New York Times talking about Gen Z and TikTok, right? Especially as we continue to move on uh, in years, this is only becoming more and more critical. Uh, uh, TikTok as a channel, as a search engine, people going to get their information when they're looking to learn about a program, uh, what it could offer from a recruit perspective, from just a general university perspective, they're going to be looking uh, through TikTok and these other platforms. You want to make sure that you understand this so you can build a strategy that's going to be able to capitalize uh, on this opportunity. And in the same vein, not be lacking when it comes to your use of these channels so that you cause unintended consequences uh, when folks are finding information here. And here's just a quick um, article that really, or excuse me, a quick quote from that New York Times article that really speaks to you know, what I'm talking about, uh, which is that more and more young people are using TikTok's algorithm that tailoring is coupled with a sense that real people on the app are synthesizing and delivering information rather than faceless websites. I pulled this quote out because it's really relevant to another trend that we're gonna be talking about when it comes to 2024, which is user-generated content. So just remember this quote in the context of social as a search engine, because we're gonna come back to it when we talk about user-generated content. And then by the numbers, 94% of Gen Z use social media in 2022, that's up from 77% just a few years ago. And 158 minutes is the average time that a Gen Zer spends on social media every day. Hopefully this is nothing new in terms of information, but the point is these channels are only increasingly important to the key demographics that you're serving at folks working within collegiate athletics. And then 56% of TikTok users are utilizing the platform to, to discover new products or brands. And 83% of Instagram users are utilizing the platform to discover new products or services. Again, these numbers are only increasing over time. These social platforms are investing more and more in making their platforms shoppable. And so I think that's a really important uh, thing to keep in mind when you're thinking about the work that you're doing uh, within the athletic department context. Social media as a revenue driver, the opportunity to convert in whatever it is strategically that you're looking to achieve through these social channels, whether that's driving ticket sales, whether that's e-commerce, whether that's fundraising dollars. These are platforms that are being built to be shoppable in many respects. And so you need to be thinking about social media from a revenue generation perspective, in addition to all the other benefits that can provide as an athletic department, right? A search engine that is shoppable in many respects. Really, really important trend here that's gonna continue on as you move through 2024 and beyond. Hey, Matthew, Any, uh, before we move yes. forward, we actually did have yeah. a question come through. Um, sure. So for our presenters, how do you suggest schools in Texas reach the TikTok users when public institutions are unable to use TikTok via Governor Abbott? That is a uh, very good question. And I want to be mindful uh, of the legal consequences. And so I don't have a great answer for you today, unfortunately. Um, but one thing I'll do is I'll make sure to uh, follow up. I don't know if we have the specific details of who asked that question, but Lydia, if there's a way for you to get that, we can follow up after the fact. Um, 
and I can hopefully get you some information that's going to be valuable that you can then disseminate to colleagues. Uh, but obviously, uh, TikTok is becoming politicized and there's legislation that is changing and it's a fluid situation. And so I want to make sure that I get you uh, really accurate information. So we'll follow up afterwards. And hopefully for folks outside of Texas, this is something that you won't have to deal with uh, in the near future. Okay, on to trend number two, which is user-generated content. So uh, this is a term that is often used in marketing outside of uh, the world of collegiate athletics and kind of sports generally. Uh, it's a term that was uh, very, very popular in general marketing. And uh, I want to make sure to define it so that we're all on the same page. So what is UGC with any content, text, videos, images, reviews created by people rather than brands? Right. So created by people rather than brands. And uh, this is a form of content that particularly in the last year has become so much more popular in professional sports. If you're following along the NFL, uh, the Premier League, you're going to see a lot of this content on Reels, on TikTok, uh, particularly post-game content that is filmed by the athletes themselves that showcases their personality in an authentic non-produced way. So you'll see some examples. These are just screenshots, not the actual videos, but these are folks talking about on the field, the performance in the game, the results, thanking the fans. And you get to really hear from uh, the athletes themselves and see their personalities in an authentic way, again, created by the people of the organization or the people of the program. And this content then transitioned to become more popular in collegiate athletics still a small amount of this content being created overall, but more and more programs investing in uh, particularly athlete-generated content. So content created by athletes themselves. Uh, this is really beneficial for a number of reasons, but particularly uh, with the rise of NIL and really being able to get your athlete's brand out there. So, you know, why has it become popular generally, even outside of the world of sports? Um, there's three reasons. One is short-form video content continues to dominate social platforms generally. So the platforms themselves, and from an algorithm perspective, are um, investing in this sort of content and popularizing it um, you know, through their channels. And then consumers are expressing a need for authentic content. So you, if you remember back years and years ago on social media, and let's take Instagram as an example, if you look at a feed, it's going to be perfectly curated, beautiful filters, uh, really conscious of the overall look and feel of that content when you open up an Instagram account, whether for a brand, um, whatever it is that you may be searching through on social media, to now the age of uh, the dump. Uh, uh, if you may have some younger uh, student athletes or some children, you may have heard this term yourself, uh, but just posting content that is really authentic, uh, that is not so concerned uh, from like a brand uh, conscious standpoint. And that's because folks are looking for that authenticity in the content. Um, and then again, the trend we just talked about, social becoming the new search engine, the rise of TikTok, where they have uh, really blown up because of the UGC being such a key part of that platform's content overall. So the rise of TikTok in a lot of ways is connected to the fact that the content being uploaded to this channel is authentic. It's typically UGC. Um, and it's continuing to grow and grow every single day. Robert, I know this is something we talked about uh, at the convention last year. Is there anything that you want to expand upon uh, here? And Kristen, uh, feel free to jump in as well. 
I'd personally just want to double down on the authentic nature of this type of content as an in-house creative. Obviously I have been consumed with overly producing content and I've fallen prey to that. Like probably most of you have at some point in your professional careers. Um, but that's the reason why a clip of two athletes just giving each other a high five or that five second clip of them hoisting the trophy, giving the users the opportunity to experience something that they cannot directly experience that's related to your brand is the ultimate reason why this is so powerful and successful. It's the reason why they're continuing to go down and miking up athletes and miking up coaches. You're getting a more in-depth look of that experience, which is ultimately um, resonating with your fans and your user base. So definitely encourage leaning into this for sure uh, as you head into 2024. Yeah, and I'll just piggyback off of that too. Like as you'll see later on, as Matt mentioned, there'll be examples showing up. One of the examples is from our women's volleyball uh, Instagram page, not only is this content for some of you who your smaller schools might not, I know when I worked at a smaller school, they didn't allow me to make a TikTok, but we did it on Instagram and it's still just as successful and the athletes in this day of NIL, as Matt mentioned as well, they just want to see themselves. They just want to see themselves represented. And whether it's on a road trip, you let one of them do a day in the life. That's what our example is, whether it's that, the mic'd ups, anything like that, even just giving athletes the opportunity just to speak their minds. That's really what it is. And at the end of the day, as I always say, none of us would have jobs if it wasn't for these 18 to 22 year olds. So why not give them the platform to utilize the team accounts in the same way? We're going to get into some awesome examples later on the presentation, as Chris had mentioned. So hopefully we can spark some inspiration. Uh, athlete generated is a huge part of it, but it doesn't have to be the only part. And again, this is a trend. Um, and the reason it's trending is because it performs so well on social. And so trust me, we are huge proponents of uh, building a strong visual brand and investing in graphics and uh, getting that type of content out on your channel to keep folks engaged and informed. But UGC literally outperforms on social. And so this is the type of content that's going to drive meaningful engagement uh, for your department on social media, particularly through uh, Reels and TikTok. Um, so again, it's something that's going to work in many respects from an engagement standpoint on your channels. We'll get more into uh, some examples, but I wanna jump on to trend number three, which is unhinged versus planned content. Lydia, I see a question jump in. If it's relevant, I can stop the answer. But in terms of uh, unhinged versus planned content, this is something that, you, again, you may be less familiar with. So I wanna define unhinged content for, for you. This is when a brand takes a less polished, perfect approach to social media and embraces more chaotic conversational moments. You have probably come across unhinged marketing as you've experienced uh, social media yourself and maybe have thought in your mind, I can't believe they posted that or I can't believe they said that, right? It sort of has um, that effect of um, jumping out at you and feeling like it's, wow, this is atypical, right? And that's the purpose of unhinged marketing, just look at the name, right? Um, and I have an example here, and again, we'll get into some more examples in a moment, but from Roma, who popularized unhinged content in sports actually years ago um, on Twitter. And just an example on the bottom is a tweet where they tweeted out uh, the sound that a fan would make in the stands celebrating a goal being scored when their team scored the goal, right? So this isn't that clean, polished, corporate type of Twitter post. This is something that is an example of unhinged marketing and they become very, very famous uh, for this. Uh, we're gonna do a little bit of a deep dive on them uh, a little bit later on. 
but this is an opportunity in social to stand out, to be differentiated. Um, because if everyone's posting in the same way, if everyone's posting in that corporate matter of fact style, how are you going to drive differentiation uh, when it comes to your program? So this is an opportunity to do so. And again, we'll get into more examples uh, in a little bit. Kristen, anything you want to add from the seat of someone uh, working in an athletic department? Maybe they have concerns about unhinged marketing. Uh, anything you want to share here? The number of times I have written out a tweet and was like, oh, I don't know if I can say that and backed up um, has been way too many. I feel like there's a very fine line, especially for some of us who work in institutions that have very, what's the right word here? I don't want to say strict or but a very particular way that they look about it. Like I worked at an institution that was a very religious institution. And so there were certain things that they did not want us saying, or there were certain emojis they wouldn't want us to use. And so it's how can you find that balance of being playful and fun and letting yourself stand out, but also creating that content that not only your athletes want to see, but your fans want to see. And how can you create traction? Again, at the end of the day, I know in the past, it's been get yourself in the newspapers, but now it's just how can you get eyes on your content? And social media is a way to give your athletes that publicity. So how can you come up with the most creative captions, the most creative ways of presenting that content? And sometimes it's just, you know what, you got to go basic, but other times that tweet is worth it. That borderline line if it's a little borderline like I'll sometimes go for it but again it's just knowing your institution and knowing what your athletic director and what your main campus communications and other parts of your institution and what they're willing to to teeter with a little bit so yeah. I I, th I think that's a really important point so I just want to double click on it Kristen because this is a trend and it, um, you should not jump on every single trend and you certainly should not just jump on trends just because it's a trend. Uh, this is something we're gonna kind of weave in throughout the conversation today, but you should have a social media strategy that's tied to a larger strategy as an athletic department and as a university. And so it shouldn't be just a one-off thing that you're doing uh, unhinged marketing, right? It shouldn't be just a single post. This should be tied into a larger strategy and it shouldn't come as a surprise to key stakeholders in your institution because certainly, first and foremost, you don't want to get into any trouble as an administrator in your role, and you don't want to get the organization in any sort of hot water. And so um, a way to protect yourself from that is to communicate this as a strategy, communicate the value, show examples of how this has been done well, and weave it into the overarching goals of your program. And if you do that, you're going to stay clear of uh, an issue that's going to get you or your program uh, in hot water and hopefully be able to drive meaningful engagement. And at the same time, if in going through that process or you thinking it through in your role, uh, you don't connect the dots between unhinged marketing and your program, that is totally okay. We're not saying you need to be doing this. It's just an opportunity. Uh, and it's certainly something that a lot of brands in sports, outside of sports have uh, taken advantage of uh, and will continue to do so moving forward. Robert. From the creative seat, anything that you want to mention here? Okay. What One thing I was going to say is unhinged marketing does not make uh, uh, the idea of your brand not important, right? This is all tied into your brand. And so it's not an excuse to then sort of uh, neglect the brand, particularly from a visual perspective. Um, so you want to be thoughtful about that in the work that you're doing. And perfect segue 
into visual branding, another big trend in 2024. I'm gonna hand it over to Robert. Uh, he's made a career uh, in visual branding to talk a little bit more about this uh, for folks. Awesome, thanks, Matt. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the technical definition of, of visual branding is really the use of design or visual elements um, used to communicate a brand's values and personality. Um, I think over my career, it's kind of tended to be have this misconception of just like what it looks like, making sure you're using the right colors, the right logos, the fonts. But that brand value piece, I think, is something that is a huge area of opportunity for a lot of universities and organizations today. Um, and, and to something that Matthew literally just talked about, your brand is also a tool that can help you achieve a lot of these overarching goals that are either coming from your university or your department. Um, it's not just another box you need to check. I know that, um, Kristen, I'm stealing your thunder there, but it does actually play a massive role in helping you achieve those objectives that are being kind of communicated from the top down. Um, and so that's the technical definition, but how does that kind of convert to practicality in your kind of day-to-days? And it really comes with consistency, which is something that we'll obviously talk about um, throughout this entire conversation. Um, but whether it's logos, fonts, colors, um, consistency is key, and that's going to help you kind of chip away at this. Um, but also establishing brand guidelines. And I always say that that's just the first step. The second step is actually distributing those brand guidelines um, because you can set all these standards in place, but if it's not widely communicated, you're going to see that wrong logo pop up somewhere. You're going to see the wrong color used. Um, so I think just as important as it is to document it, it is to um, distribute as well. Um, and then obviously, like we mentioned, just ensuring consistency across the board and doing your best to kind of maintain that brand um, university-wide. You're on, you're on mute, man. The one thing that I'll add, and then Kristen, please uh, jump in uh, with any additional information, but I want to just double click on uh, department and individual program consistency. One of the biggest challenges that we see in the world of collegiate athletics is the drop-off from a branding perspective between uh, individual programs and the overall department and often the revenue-producing uh, programs. Um, we understand, obviously, it's a challenge, there's so many teams, so many things to cover, rising content demands um, every year, it seems. Um, but it makes an impact when you're looking at maybe a smaller sport and you open up their Instagram page and the content is nowhere near the level that you would expect uh, when you look at the department or the football uh, program's Instagram. And that has real brand value. And what is the message that that's communicating to the perspective student athlete on one of those teams that's using social media as a search engine, that's opening up their Instagram as their first thing to do when they're trying to do some research on your brand and they see that that's the quality and they don't go to the department uh, page. They don't go to the football page. They go to their team's account, right? So something to really be uh, considering as you're thinking about visual branding uh, for your entire program. Yeah. And just to piggyback off of that too, like there's something where yeah, every team wants their own unique look and they can have a little bit of a separation, but at the end of the day, across all the team accounts, you want people to be able to see that graphic or see that photo or see how that video is composed and be like, oh yeah, that's UC Santa Barbara. Oh yeah, that's UC Riverside, whoever in our conference it may be, and be able to recognize your brand by the basic little touches, and not even basic, but just the little simple things that at the end of the day, if they're just scrolling through Twitter, again, it's about quick intake of content that people are doing. You want them to be able to scroll and be like, oh, you see Santa Barbara one, great. Okay, oh, that's a great photo of my favorite athlete. Making sure that it's really concise and all looks very similar. 
And again, we're going to do uh, a deep dive on uh, UC Santa Barbara's branding uh, a little bit later on. But the final trend um, is artificial intelligence. This is a big one. And there's so much discussion around artificial intelligence period. I think what matters most is, uh, and I'm in the seat of folks uh, attending this webinar, well, how can it help me? What are the tangible ways that it can help me? And so one of the ways that we like to think about AI uh, from the uh, athletic administrative perspective, uh, someone working in collegiate athletic communications, how can AI save me and my team time on the social workflow? This is a labor intensive process, generally speaking, uh, social media, there's a lot of moving parts, despite people tend to only see the end result. There's a lot that goes into that. And so how can AI save time on the social workflow? And there's opportunities that we'll talk through uh, in content collection and media management, content creation, when you're talking about graphics, uh, things like AI background removals for automatic cutouts, um, automatic highlight clips, uh, and then content distribution uh, and getting your content out to your channels. How can I use it as a time saver for me now? There's going to be evolution. There's going to be new things that come out in the future, but we want to provide kind of more of a, a look at the here and now and how it can help you and how it's helping other folks uh, today in 2024. Oh, anything, Chris and Robert, before we jump into the examples? Okay, cool. This is my favorite part because we're going to get into some actual hardcore examples for you to see so you can say, yes, other people are doing this. Here's what it looks like and hopefully spark some inspiration for you within your program. So again, I want to just point out, we're looking at college sports and beyond, because I think uh, it's helpful to look at what's happening in industry, but it's also valuable to pair that with what's happening outside of industry. And that can be in professional sports, that can be in business generally. Uh, college sports is a business in many respects, uh, and you are marketers uh, in your program. And so uh, there is stuff to be learned from the larger world of marketing uh, outside of just collegiate sports. So the first example, though, that I want to talk about in terms of user-generated content uh, is uh, UC Santa Barbara Volleyball. It is hard when you're doing a screen share to show video and to make it impactful. So I'm going to have Kristen talk through these examples, and then we're going to follow up uh, with some of them as well so you can actually view them on your own time. But you'll get the uh, understanding uh, from Kristen and myself talking through some of these. But yeah, go ahead, Kristen. Uh, what is this example here? So as I kind of mentioned earlier, this is from one of our senior women's volleyball players. Uh, they do have some, the best way I could say it is like they have a social media group of a couple of players and like, we just want to showcase what our lives are like. And I'm like, well, what better way to do that than when you go to Hawaii to go play them? So we let one of the seniors who we trust go through, create one of these uh, user-generated content, obviously getting all of the behind the scenes of all the different things from their trip to Hawaii, what it is behind the scenes. And that was really well interacted with, ton of different people liking that content. They also shared this on their TikTok. So we don't share every single TikTok video that we do onto our main account, but sometimes we do if we think it's either representing a lot of our sports, whether it's something that really captured a lot of, of attention on TikTok and then brought it over to Instagram as well. But this was something that we could showcase to recruits like, hey, you come to UC Santa Barbara Volleyball, you get to go to Hawaii once a year. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> like, So being able to showcase the fun experiences that our athletes do and showing who they are and who they are as people. And hopefully uh, you're able to see some of that in the screen share. I know there's no audio, so it takes a little bit out of it. Um, but again, uh, day in the life, from the athlete perspective, super, super valuable. And I think going to Hawaii is pretty awesome opportunity for folks. 
and be able to showcase that to your channels is a, a really great concept. Um, here's another, another example. Oh, can I pick it up? Yeah. yeah, of course, of course. Like I know I'm at a D1, we're at a mid-major, we still do a lot of hands-on deck. So even for smaller departments, like that student athlete edited the whole thing and I just approved it after. So even if you are a one-person shop and you're like, how do I have time to make this content? Literally, it's just finding the right student athlete, which you can coordinate with a coach to say, hey, who, who do you trust to create something like this? They made everything and then I just posted. So that's where it can save you a ton of time and energy, but still get some really high quality content that people want to see. Sorry, awesome. go ahead. No, awesome. And for the sake of time, I'm going to fly through these examples because I want to make sure we can get through everything. Um, but here's an example uh, of different types of content from the University of Oregon, all centered around athlete generated content on the field post game, celebrating their wins uh, during their uh, football season. What is better than hearing from the voice of the athlete immediately after a game? Uh, show the experience, show the personalities. Every team at every level can be creating this type of content through their athletes and disseminating it through their channels. Really, really valuable. Here's another example uh, from professional sports team, game day promotion. So hearing voice of the athlete um, promoting the upcoming game. Really awesome use case is leveraging higher profile student athletes and teams to promote maybe teams that are getting less attention. So, hey, you have a star football player. That's a great opportunity to leverage that voice to rally support around uh, my sport, men's soccer, that maybe is getting less attendance. So you can do cross promotion through the voice of the athlete as well. Alumni engagement is another great example. Uh, getting alumni to create content themselves it could be congratulating athletes. It could be congratulating a coach on a milestone win, whatever it may be. Uh, great opportunity outside of just athletes. Sponsored content as well. Again, we've talked about revenue generation. You can think about sponsored opportunities with this content. Here's some examples from professional sports. And then athlete storytelling and brand building. LSU's done a tremendous job of this, um, but there's an opportunity to really showcase your athletes from an NIL perspective as well. And it, participate in that brand building. And then behind the scenes, Kristen, you did this with UCSB, but, and Robert talked about it. It's a privilege to be a part of an athletic program. Uh, most people do not get the opportunity. And a lot of people, believe it or not, don't even know what it's like. And so being able to showcase behind the scenes, whether that's on a, uh, a trip outside of the United States, uh, in the locker room, on the practice fields, day in the life content, it's awesome opportunities. And then you can use this uh, UGC for long form campaigns. Um, here's an example from the Miami Heat, uh, congratulating uh, Udonis Haslam on uh, retirement, where they brought content together from all of his past teammates. And here's an example from Clemson, where they collected athlete content on the football team, all UGC, to put together a really beautiful Happy Mother's Day campaign, uh, where they collected this content from the players. Lots of different options, viable regardless of uh, kind of your size of, of department. Okay, unhinged content. We're gonna start with a spotlight outside of college sports. Duolingo uh, in 2023 went viral with unhinged marketing. This was a huge part of their uh, campaign strategy in 2023. For those that don't know, Duolingo is a language learning app and a website, but they've utilized uh, unhinged marketing to drive a ton of awareness and it's been a, a business game changer for them. Um, and so you'll see just like an example over here on the left, there's a meme-like post to Twitter to promote their app. 
they're making a joke about the transition from Twitter to X in the context of Duolingo. They even did something much more produced where they made like a fake uh, uh, sort of uh, reality TV show in partnership with Peacock that was all a joke for April Fool's Day. So they, if you go to their TikTok, you'll see all of their content is essentially unhinged, uh, but really, really successful for them. And you'll notice here, uh, their head of global strategy, we have a running rule that we have no rules. We have basically a set of guardrails in terms of the absolute no's for the brand. But outside of that, there's a lot of freedom and empowerment. So I want to just point that out. They've gone through a strategic process where they've talked about what they know for us as a brand, Duolingo, set those guardrails, and then that's allowed them to be creative in a way uh, that's not going to get them in trouble. And so um, that's something that I think can be brought to uh, a collegiate program. And then the example from Roma, we talked about it earlier. They went viral years ago uh, with this strategy. And I want to point out the person who led this effort, which is Paul Rogers, became really, really famous for this um, transformation at Roma from a digital perspective. But again, this was all about differentiation for them. Strategically, he was looking to differentiate and saw social media as the opportunity to do that. They couldn't necessarily stand out and be a top three club from a soccer perspective in the world for their performances on the pitch, but they could uh, build that visibility through their social uh, media strategy. And so they did something that uh, was not conservative and not corporate, which is what they saw as the standard. And they were able to differentiate successfully because of that. So you got to be different in order to differentiate something that's really important from a strategy perspective. Anything you want to add here, Kristen or Robert, before I hand it over to you, Kristen, for this example? Okay. I mean, I can just Kristen. hop right into this. Yeah. So yeah. as Matt said earlier, a trend is a trend. It will not always be there potentially. So there was a TikTok trend going around with a song in the background and you did me and the devil. Um, I, I have a team of about 10 interns who do our TikTok strictly. I, I'm still committed to Vine in way too many ways. So as much as TikTok is important and I know it's important for my job, I do have the people who are on it who run a lot of our account. But one thing that they did was initially for our men's soccer, it's traditional that us and Cal Poly have a big rivalry. Um, so if Cal Poly's on here, I, I held back this content, but nonetheless, so they wanted to do this with our rival. And I was like, at the end of the day, I still have to work with those other people. We still play them. There is still heatedness regardless of us calling them anything else. So let's find something else to go about. And so that's where we did tortillas. So it's that something on our campus where it's been around since the 80s, people throwing tortillas onto fields. Our AD is trying to get back that out. So that's where we use this as a little bit of promotional tool heading into our big rivalry game to try to be like, hey guys. And that was actually really well interacted with a lot of people like, oh, how dare you attack the tortillas? And so it might've been unhinged to our student base, but we toned it down. So there's ways to find balance where you can produce some of this content, maybe not be the most outrageous in the world, but in ways that people in your department might think it's a little unhinged. That's where I was like, all right, what are we calling the devil here? All right, cool. Tortillas are fine. Let's stay away from rivals, you know, but yeah. And I think that's always the important check, right? You you don't want to uh, cross a line that you're not comfortable with. Uh, and so just be thoughtful, communicate to others, and you can create really powerful content. Okay, um, branding. So we talk about visual branding, the importance of this. I want to just uh, leave it up to Robert and Kristen just to talk a little bit about how you're thinking about uh, you know visual branding from a UC Santa Barbara perspective. 
Um, and if we could keep this somewhat brief, I wanna be able to get through uh, the rest of the slides in time. We're running a little bit low here. For sure. I mean, I'll just touch a little bit and then throw it to Robert since him and his teams were the ones that designed this package for us. So we utilized Gipper. We had them create this brand package for us and they did a phenomenal job. I didn't even know this is what I wanted until they showed it to me um, just because I was like, oh, we're going to go blue and white. Like, you know, every other UC school uses the gold so much. Like, let's go. Let's try to be different. And then we were talking about how we want to be the gold standard in our conference, how we want to be the gold standard in everything that we do, not just on the field, but in the classroom with being such a high ranking public institution in the country. And they showed me something that I never thought I would I would love. So I'm going to throw it to Robert of how he came up with the brand. But this is what we use for all of our marketing, everything across the board. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it really just boils down to that conversation piece. And I think that's kind of what I was trying to touch on in terms of like the company or organization's values. And um, because we sat down and we had a conversation before any design happened at all um, to try to really pull that out um, from UCSB and try to understand what's important to them, the direction that they want to go. And then ultimately, how can you convey that visually? And obviously, that's us on uh, creatives to try to figure that piece of the puzzle out. But I think, again, it all kind of stemmed from your vision and your kind of goals and objectives. And that's kind of what um, ultimately boiled down to what we're seeing today. So I do think that that is just as valuable as kind of bringing these things to life. And here's just uh, some examples of uh, graphics that have been shared on the UC Santa Barbara platform. But you can see the impact of these visual assets across the content. And if you come across content like this, you're gonna know that it's for UC Santa Barbara. Um, and again, a little bit more of a detailed breakdown. Anything else, Robert and Kristen, before we? I think the biggest thing is just that the graphics that they have created for us is just a way for us to, if you, can you go back for a slide? Yeah. Like that you see uh, for the top 25 ranking when we finally got ranked. Like I am so big on photo-centric content, video-centric, making sure that our athletes are center. Twitter is a great platform for all graphics. But this graphic is a way for me to feel comfortable, one, posting a photo-centric graphic, but also being able to highlight a huge moment in our team's history while staying on brand. And so this is the type of thing, because I have teams go, why is that graphic okay, but not this one? I'm like, well, that graphic has a photo this big with tons of words, and this one has a photo this big with very little words. So it's a way we can stay on brand and making sure that one, as we've been talking about, people know it's us. But also, again, our athletes are front and center in this. And it's not just words. It's not just other elemental graphics. So thank you. Awesome. awesome. OK. Uh, and then uh, the final thing I want to touch on uh, is AI in terms of natural examples. Um, one we have at Gipper, um, and this is something that is very valuable if you're not already using something for automatic cutouts, you definitely need to, to do so. Uh, the quality of the cutouts is at a really good place now, thanks to developments in AI. So we have our own AI tool that does automatic background removals. I know, Kristen, you use this um, at UC Santa Barbara. I don't know if there's anything that you wanna add there, but I know some people are worried because they're like, how can I do this as good as I can in Photoshop? And yeah. I think generally speaking, the technology is there. So I wanna encourage folks. For sure. And I will say, like, when it first came out, we did have, for some of our athletes, especially with curly hair, you could still see the white in the background, but that's pretty much gone at this point. Like, they are getting curl, like, getting the curls of some of our guys that have kind of like Miles in this photo here. Like, you don't really see the white uh, behind his curls, and you can still see the texture of his curls. And that's something that matters to make sure our athletes are represented the way they should be. 
And so this tool has been huge for us. It saves me at least half an hour. So I'm not sitting there hand drawing around the curls, trying to get all the white out and still keeping that authenticity. So it's been the upgrades they've made to that tool have been phenomenal. Awesome. And um, uh, again, the amount of time it takes doing all of these at the volume that folks in college athletics are doing, it's just not worth it. Uh, so try to find a tool that's going to help automate and the developments in AI are really, really powerful. This is another example. It's a screenshot of a video clip, uh, but there's great technology out there now for uh, automatic video highlights um, of your stream televised events. Uh, we'll talk about some of the tools in a moment, like We Played Sports is an example that I know Chris in your conference is utilizing. But on the video side, AI can be a really good uh, uh, resource to save time on trimming and cutting clips and automatically pulling highlights that will not only save you time, but also give you a great uh, amount of content to publish back out on social and through your other channels. But particularly social, you want to have great video content, streaming games, televising games, showing the highlights. That's really powerful. Uh, use a tool that can help save time uh, here. Okay, we're gonna, again, uh, blow by the tools and tips here. We're at 45 minutes. Uh, I wanna be sensitive to time and I know there's some questions. So um, the first tip is around user-generated content. Uh, we have both a tool and a tip here. I wanna start with the tip, leverage your MVPs. So every program, every single program has incredible student athletes to highlight and they don't have to be the necessarily uh, best performers, right? Uh, there's an example here from Boban. Boban is not the best NBA player, but he has tremendous visibility in the NBA, not because he's necessarily so tall, but it's because of his personalities, not his perform his personality, excuse me, not his performance. And so the teams that he's played with have been able to highlight Boban as a person, which has skyrocketed his engagement and the engagement of the teams that he's been a part of. And so his actual value from an engagement perspective far out, uh, outside of his value as a NBA basketball player in terms of his performance on the court. And so again, you don't have to be the best player. Um, you can highlight these folks that have awesome stories to tell. Every program has them. I'm sure you know of them. Uh, find a way to bring that to life through athlete-generated content. Kristen, Robert, anything to add there? Okay, cool. Um, and then it's a win-win, right? Especially in this day and age uh, with everything happening with NIL, athletes want to see opportunities to get exposure. And even outside of NIL from any sort of monetization standpoint, as Kristen said earlier, um, it's basic psychology, like young people love to see themselves uh, on this content and out on their channels. And so when you give an opportunity for an athlete to be able to uh, showcase their personality, get their name and face out there. Uh, you're going to definitely get exposure from an NAL perspective. Uh, you're going to be able to strengthen their brand. And simultaneously, you're going to be able to pull in uh, that individual athlete, uh, that individual athlete's audience, and be able to use it to drive engagement for the team or the department at large. So it's a really, really nice win-win opportunity here uh, for folks in collegiate athletics. And um, the challenge historically is that this is really difficult to source uh, because you have so many different student athletes and getting them to create their own content uh, that you can then get access to, to then upload to your social media channels. There's a lot of different steps along the way. So it can be very time consuming and there's big opportunities for drop off. 
Um, we as a company have solved for this uh, with a feature of ours called content request uh, that allows you to uh, collect user-generated content at scale for all your teams and student athletes. So within the Gipper platform, you can send out requests to individual athletes. They'll get it on their phone. They can see the request like, hey, can you please record a quick 30 second video promoting the upcoming game? They can take that video in real time, submit it. They don't need a Gipper account. It's gonna go right back into your Gipper account and stored and organized in folders within your gallery based on the request so that you can then put it into a template or publish it out to social media or download uh, and use it as part of a larger long form campaign. So we really allow this to be an easy process while also increasing the conversion so you can actually get more content, whether it's athlete generated or from other folks on staff, alumni, whoever. So uh, that's a tool that is um, available for you um, as a Gipper customer. And um, I wanna jump now to unhinged content. So um, here's the tip about strategy and students. We've talked a lot about this already, so I don't think we're gonna go as in depth. But Kristen, if you want to maybe just talk a little bit again about utilizing students, but at the same time, keeping uh, it in line with the overall strategy. Yeah, I mean, obviously your athletes want to see this stuff. They will think that you're the funniest thing. They want to see that Wendy's type content. They want to see those fun things. At the end of the day, you do need to be considerate of the powers that be, which is your chancellor, your AD, those things like that. So there's always, again, that fine line of, okay, what's too much? but you can still have fun with it and still you can get a little close. I know some institutions might not be able to do that. And like I said, I've worked at those where like I did anything out of line and I was like, get that down right now. And I'm like, you live and you learn, you know? Um, but especially if you're at a school that gives you a little bit more freedom to, to teeter with that line a little bit and have some fun, that's the stuff your athletes are going to eat up because they're going to be like, look what my school did. And it's going to be taken in really positive light, but making sure again, not to cross the line of offending people that you have to work with every day. Awesome. Um, and then visual branding. So uh, the tip here is you should always have an answer to why, right? Why are you doing something? Why are you posting something? Um, it shouldn't just be because. Um, and so that's something from a visual brand perspective, it should have an answer to the why. And if you do that, you're gonna be in a much better place from a brand perspective and the guidelines that you hold, the sort of guardrails from a brand perspective are gonna have sound reasoning in them. They're gonna be more impactful and more effective. Uh, so you shouldn't just be doing things for the sake of it. You should be thoughtful in the why of what the content looks like and how it's being shared through your channels. Robert, anything that you want to add to that? The only thing I'll add is that every, every department is different. Um, and that why and the brand guidelines of your strategy is going to definitely be dependent on you. And so obviously a lot of the different things that we're talking about might apply, but I think um, it's important to understand as you're kind of going through that strategy session and understanding how your visual branding is going to um, turn out at the end of the year and the beginning of the year, um, just understand that it, it will be unique to you and making sure that you're putting a plan in place that is realistic um, and can be carried out throughout the full duration of the year, not an ambitious thing to start off with. And then two, three months later, it kind of goes followed by the wayside. And I think to piggyback on that, Robert, and this uh, segues into the tool, one of the big challenges that uh, collegiate athletic departments face is just the lack of resources and the rising content demand. And so you may stay strong for a period of time, but when things kick up around a certain season, uh, you may start to, uh, start to bend when it comes to your brand guidelines, the quality of your content. And I think that's where a platform like Gipper can be really valuable because it's going to give you uh, the guardrails within the product to stay on brand 
and also allow you to empower other stakeholders within your program, whether that is coaches, other staff members within your uh, communications office, GAs, a tool where you know that it's going to be quick and easy. They can use our mobile app for content on the go. And at the same time, you know that it's going to be cohesive from a brand perspective. Um, so again, you want to find tools that are going to help you execute uh, with the strategy throughout the year. Kristen, anything before we jump to the final tip and then open it up to Q&A? I mean, my only thing is you guys and Robert kind of said earlier, my biggest thing is just not checking a box. And that is so hard to do in college athletics when it's every single holiday. I've had a coach get mad that we didn't post for world emoji today because of <laughs> the recruiting. Like, come on, we can't. So it's like, if there's meaning behind the content, if they wanted to do a video as to what their favorite emojis were, I was like, fine, let's post that. But again, if you can't put meaning behind what you're doing, then what's the point? People can see through that and they can see that you're not being authentic. And so, yeah, you might have an AD that just says, post this. And I have those templates in my back pocket of like, fine, you want me to do this, then let's go. So I don't lose my job. But at the end of the day, you want to be able to sit there and say, there's a reason behind why we are posting and why we are doing this. So I'm a big fan of not just posting the yeah. And I just, again, I want to um, just hone in on that strategy uh, part, Kristen, because uh, this is a key function as we talked about the beginning, social as a search engine, the amount of visibility, it's that digital front door to your program in so many different ways. Uh, you need to be treating it with that level of respect and seriousness. And so it needs to be strategic. And one of the values of having a strategic plan in mind is that you can then say no to things. And when you say no to things and you share and help educate those within the department that may be making all of these asks, um, it's going to be much easier for them to understand the why behind it than you just saying, well, because, or I just don't have the time. The strategy can actually save you in a lot of respect in the communication aspect and help provide understanding to those within the department that you may find uh, are causing more pain uh, and being helpful with the amount of sort of expectation, the volume of content or the types of requests that they're asking for. So again, just really double down on having a strategy and communicating that uh, will be really, really helpful. Okay, uh, we did the branding spotlight. I wanna jump into um, AI, some examples of uh, ways that it can help. Uh, background removal, Gipper, there's other tools as well for automatic backgrounds removals that you can check out. Caption creation, uh, this is an interesting one. Caption creation for some folks is easy, for others is time consuming. It is a part of the brand strategy. I will say it's an aspect of brand voice. And so you wanna be mindful here, uh, but ChatGPT can be a tool to help generate captions very quickly that may be helpful for you in reducing the amount of time uh, spent typing up all these captions for all your different teams and all your different posts. Kristen, I know you've talked to some folks who've done this, uh, maybe within your department. So anything to share here? Yeah, I mean, it's, I had our marketing person, he wanted me to post something and I'm like, I don't have time to come up with this. If you send me everything, we'll roll with it. He was like, yeah, I chat GBT did. I edited it a little bit. And I was like, honestly, this works. Like, I'm not going to complain. It's something that we were going to archive in a couple of days anyway. It was a promo thing, but it was like, all right, if it's something that, you know, isn't going to be long living content for you, find the easiest solutions around it. Cause we all know our time is valuable. And if you can save 20 minutes not having to sit there like, oh my God, how am I going to say the same thing five times? There are tools for that. And then Kristen, on the video highlights, 
Oh, oh we just had yeah. um, a question come in directly related to uh, what you just mentioned, Kristen. What's a good strategy for choosing what content should be long-term and what should be short-term, especially for I social media videos like Reels and TikToks? Yeah, I mean, something that I consider short-term content is holidays. Again, you don't need to, to me, you don't need to make a feed post for every single holiday. That's something that's going to happen every year. Again, that's a check the box kind of thing where it can live on the story. Twitter, obviously, or X, I should say, it lives as it does. I can find posting graphics on there. Again, that's quick content that gets digested. Uh, promos for games and whatnot. Obviously, once that game's done, no one cares about the game day graphic. Like the game, no one needs to know the time anymore. So that's some of that short living content. Um, but the things that last longer, again, are those videos, are the photos of the big moments where you won that game in double overtime, things like that are the ones that you want to highlight on your feed and that live a little bit longer in the grand scheme of the, your team's social media strategy. Also, I don't know if this was a part of this question. Um, I know it's coming through in the, in the chat, uh, but when you're talking about long-term content, one thing that I also want to mention uh, if you're thinking about long-term content in the form of like a long-term strategy and content that's going to be consistent throughout the year, uh, I can't give you the answer of what it should be, but if you define goals of what you're trying to accomplish, you can start to create campaigns of content around that. Um, and if that's a long-term campaign that's going to be happening throughout the season or throughout the year, one of the advantages to that, uh, that I think, not I think, uh, that is for sure undervalued uh, in collegiate athletics is uh, sponsored content. So you will actually have an asset that you can use uh, to drive sponsorship revenue because you have something that is consistently going out. And oftentimes that long form content can have some sort of tie-in and relevance to a business, uh, which it, it will be able to drive uh, even more value for you. So um, long-term content has a lot of value in terms of uh, tying into your overall strategy. Oftentimes, though, what gets missed is the opportunity for sponsorship through that content as well. And just to wrap it up, and then we'll, we'll jump into the Q&A, the final thing I want to talk about is just video highlights. Uh, we played sports, Videoverse. Those are a couple examples. There are other companies uh, that can help when it comes to automatic uh, highlight creation. So uh, maybe a useful uh, thing for folks to investigate. All right. Awesome. Matthew, Kristen, Robert, thank you so much for all the insights that you shared with us today. Um, before we open it up for the Q&A, and we do have some good questions um, in queue for us, I wanted to give each of you the opportunity to share any final thoughts that you'd like to leave with the audience. Um, and Kristen, we will start with you. Yeah, thank you so much. I see a lot of good questions in here too, excited to answer them. Um, but as someone, like I said, I've worked Northwestern was my power five. I worked all the way down to the NAI level, was a D2 athlete myself, worked across the board. And the one thing is always, how can you make sure you're producing a really good strategy, but also be cognizant of your time? Because at the end of the day, you still have recaps. You still have um, updating the website, making sure your XMLs go up. We have so many things on our plate. And so I saw a question that I also will kind of touch on in my um, wrap up here. Um, about collaborations. I think that's awesome. Save yourself time on your main athletics account. Just make sure you're being cognizant that you're not posting men's basketball five times as a collab, and then you're never talking about women's tennis. So that's something that we're very cognizant of as we go about some of that collaborated content. But at the end of the day, you're here to highlight your student athletes. And that's the one thing I think that people kind of forget 
as time is going on and as it's evolving to being super social media driven, what our jobs are, is that people are still so, oh, we have to think about news. We have to think about the newspapers, getting on the local TV station. Well, you can still highlight your athletes and tell their stories. It's just a new way of telling it. And so with having a strong social media strategy, strong brand visual guides that you can do, you can tell those athletes stories and be setting yourselves up for success and getting more visibility on social media with those recruits, with their parents, and with all those key demographics you're still trying to hit. I'll, I'll jump in and just um, double click on the strategy portion. Um, I know we've said it so much throughout, uh, but being thoughtful in how you're utilizing social media, I think uh, is just so necessary. And uh, while strategy may be a scary word at times, and it may sound like a lot, a lot of work, setting up that foundation, especially as we move out of 2020 or into the next athletic year, you have an opportunity to set yourself up for success, to provide guardrails around what you will and importantly, what you won't do and answers as to why you're doing those things and not doing others. Uh, that's going to be really impactful from an education perspective. It's going to be really impactful from the volume of work uh, that you're committing yourself to or your teams to. And it's going to be impactful in terms of driving outcomes because it's really hard to drive any sort of meaningful outcomes on social media unless you are focused uh, on what you are trying to accomplish and why the uh, things that you're sharing uh, are going to impact those efforts. So again, I would just really harp on create the strategy, take the time to be thoughtful, and uh, it's going to be extremely, extremely impactful in a positive way uh, for you and your role. And the only thing that I will add onto both of those great uh, thoughts is to really, obviously, as we talked about building a strategy that's right for you, like start small. Um, everybody's different and this everybody's in a different brand journey. And I think you need to understand and, and identify what's going to be important and most impactful, not only for your brand, but for your university or your organization, and then set goals that align with that. And we're not saying that means all of a sudden you need to dive headfirst into UGC and background rule, all these different things that we kind of just talked about, figure out what works for you and what is actually feasible by you and, and your team. Um, and then also just like chip away at it a little over time and uh, maybe get UGC down this year and then next year build on top of that and then build on top of that. Um, I think it's very, very important to just set realistic expectations. And then the last thing that I will say is kind of more of a challenge to you all is open up those lines of communications within your campus. Um, I think it's very, very easy as an athletic admin to just like set these goals and objectives within your department, um, but it's super important to ensure alignment across what we used to say across campus and not have this kind of like push-pull relationship and more kind of both be on the same page moving toward a common goal. Awesome. Thank you all so much for sharing. Um, at this time, we'd like to open it up for our Q&A um, and would like to start with some of the questions that we have in our chat. Um, so the first question is relating back to UGC. So one of our audience members um, said, you know, they traditionally have a cooling off period so that something off brand isn't said in the heat of the moment. Um, they had a situation where a student athlete speaks their mind right after a game that has had negative consequences. So as a communications professional, how do you balance that with wanting to, to get content out? I mean, if you guys don't mind, I'll take that one just because it's something I, I do on a regular basis here. So if we win, I am down to just right away go in and have those athletes do those interviews or do that fun content. 
I also have specific athletes I will go to that I know I've either done media training with, that I know how to keep themselves composed and that I know will filter themselves. There are certain athletes that I love them to death, but I will not go to them right after a game because I don't know what's gonna come out of their mouth. So it's knowing your student athlete base. I will never do that right after um, a loss. I will always give that cooling off period. If media wants to interview them again, I will say, no, you have to wait the 10, 15 minutes, whatever you do. I stick with the NCAA guides of the 15 minutes. Um, but nonetheless, it's always about making sure that one, you know, your athletes and who is going to be representing you guys, but also that you're, the moments that people want to see all of this come from are the wins. And there's not the most you're going to have is an F-bomb dropping. So that's where you got to make sure you're pulling the right athletes or you're around the right ones in the huddle or that you just put some good music behind it. So, Yeah, one thing that I just want to add, um, Kristen, is uh, part of the whole concept and the value around UGC in particular is the authenticity. And the authenticity means that you can't totally wrap your corporate hands around it, right? And so I think part of this is a willingness to have um, videos and content that truly shows personality. And I'm not saying include content that is inappropriate uh, by any means, but a ton of emotion after a win where someone is really letting, letting go and showcasing that emotion in a positive way. It may not necessarily align with a sort of corporate image of social media for your program, but that's the content that people want. That's the content that drives engagement. And so um, I would just encourage to have a little bit of a, a sort of leap of faith to say, hey, we're gonna let that type of content go. We're not gonna touch it up. We're not gonna try to sanitize it in any way. Um, and I think you'll see really powerful results. Um, and another thing is uh, just be mindful of going live versus uh, obviously content that you can um, adjust after the fact or not share. Uh, for example, with content requests, all of that content gets collected into Gipper where you then have the decision uh, onto whether you should publish it or not. Uh, with live content, you don't get that opportunity, obviously, uh, but there's definitely been mishaps there that uh, we've seen or heard about from folks um, at all levels uh, when it comes to live content. Awesome. Related to that student athlete content, um, Kristen, this is a great question for you. How do you do student athlete takeovers? Um, you know, is that something, um, where you have them sign into your accounts? Do you send them info, um, you know, that they post themselves? How do you handle that kind of content? I've actually done it depending on the school in various different ways. So again, some of my more conservative institutions are super religious. I've just had the athletes text me the videos and then I upload them again, just to make sure that nothing's going out. If they want to put a song behind it, that we're not using the explicit versions of the songs. There's been some places where I've had to really regulate, but here at UC Santa Barbara, there's a lot of times, especially if it's through the team accounts, we have a checklist that we will go and distribute with our student athletes. And I will also meet with those student athletes before they get on and we just let them go. And I just tell them like, no one naked in the locker room, no explicit language, watch for F-bombs, do those things. And we just make sure that um, 
we're letting them, we give them that free reign, but also again, those slight parameters. And then just watching, of course, with sponsors, like if they're showing a sandwich shop when Jersey Mike's a sponsor of ours, like, hey guys, maybe not show that one, you know? Or, hey, if you're gonna show food, go here, here, or here maybe. Um, so trying to help with some of that structure around there too. So you don't have a sponsor who's giving you a lot of money, get very mad at you because of the takeover. <laughs> so um, again, just letting them kind of, it depends on your institution and how you guys are structured and how, again, it's kind of like that unhinged content. How much, how loose are you allowed to be? And if you're on your own regard, having to be kept in a little bit of a box, I don't want to say that in those terms, but if you're supposed to be very cognizant of what you're posting, maybe have them send it to you. If you have a little bit more free reign, just give them those parameters and let it ride. Absolutely. And very closely related, um, what do you consider is the best policy on tagging student athletes, you know, on your athletic social? So, you know, tagging so-and-so for being named player of the week um, and also, you know, policy for following student athletes from the official account. Yeah, I'm down. I'm down for it, especially in the NIL at day and age. So if you go to um, like our UC Santa Barbara women's volleyball, it's one of my sports. I do men's and women's volleyball. Uh, men's basketball, golf. And so our, both our volleyball accounts, we had tons of players of the week this year. You would see that some have accepted the collaboration requests, some haven't. I always give our athletes the option. Team accounts, I will always follow all of our athletes. The main account, I try not to. We do have some professional baseball players, basketball players. We'll follow some of the more prestigious alums. Um, but we, on the main account, we try to not show favoritism because Lord knows if we miss one of those 425 athletes, someone's going to be upset. So the team accounts are meant to follow um, the athletes. The main account, we try to not do some of that, but we will still tag them if we have that opportunity. Again, this day of NIL, um, whatever we can do to help bolster them, like maybe they have can bolster us too. We have some that are TikTok famous. So like we can tag them and they can get us more followers too. It's both give and take on both of those sides. So always down yeah. to help our athletes and their publicity. Yeah, I, I don't think that last comment should be underappreciated, Kristen. Uh, the opportunity for your student athletes to drive outsized engagement for you as a department is unbelievable. Uh, when you consider the amount of athletes uh, that participate in a collegiate athletic program, uh, you will drive more virality through leveraging those athletes to share content to their own uh, channels the opportunity uh, can be maximized when you're creating valuable content that they actually want to share, um, first of all. And then second of all, you're making sure that they're aware of the fact uh, that they are either tagged in it or can share it. And so I would agree, Kristen, following accounts makes sense. Tagging people makes sense. From maybe like a safety privacy concern uh, perspective, I think you have to uh, probably have a policy um, just to protect yourself and then uh, make sure that you're treating uh, people like adults and you should behave appropriately on social media. And, and then the final thing um, uh, is that uh, these student athletes from a follower perspective, it's opt-in if they're public, if their profile is public, they've accepted that they're opting in to people following them. And if they're private, they have to accept the request. Um, so I think you're in a very, uh, you know, protected and, and safe space there. And there's nothing crossing the line uh, in terms of a kind of university student relationship perspective. Right. Absolutely. And I know we've talked a lot about um, kind of establishing that policy. Um, so 
we have two questions that tie into that. Um, speaking of policy and and kind of general thoughts about how you should approach these things, but um, what is your holiday policy? Um, do you post for all holidays? And then also your general strategy around highlight reels. Um, you know, do you have a set number you try to reach? Um, is that something that you think is beneficial to post after wins? Do you try and do that, you know, during an event? How do you typically approach um, holidays and highlight reels? Holiday policy. So what I always do is I meet with my athletic director once a year. I have a list and I go through that list and I say, these are the ones that I feel like, again, I kind of feel like we're checking the box, but we can also kind of be unique about it. Like we can do holiday videos. We can do Mother's Day videos, but these are the holidays that I am willing to highlight on the main account. And we go through that list. We just do one happy holidays for everything at the end of the year. We do those type of things. And then when we do our individual team meetings, so it's myself and two assistants, um, when we do our team meetings, we talk with them about social media. It's like, what holidays are special for you guys? And do you have athletes that celebrate Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, that you want to make sure that we're highlighting those holidays individually? Are you cool with the blanket happy holidays? Like what? That's when we talk through some of those other pieces of content. Um, again, at the end of the day, everybody's posting this content on that day. So to me, it's not something to stress heavily about. If you can find a unique way to showcase your athletes in that way, awesome. But that's where I just sit there and I go through the list and I'm like, this is what I'm prepping. If there's anything you want other than this, then let me know. But this is what we're doing. So again, that policy is in place and you don't have random things thrown on your plate six months down the line when you are trying to get that last roster ready to go for the season. Everything is squared away. So. Yep. And, and then uh, highlighting your athletes, um, the highlight reels as well. Yeah. So um, in game, so we are, because we are mid-major, our conferences with ESPN plus, um, I do have some parameters on what we're allowed to do in game. So like men's basketball, we're only allowed four clips uh, for other sports to get up to 10. So we do it. Honestly, like I just find our athletes, like they might not be the, like the star of the team, but the ones that like, if he gets that one, three, I know we're going to get 10 likes on Twitter because he will share it. His family's on there. There's a girl on our volleyball team. Her grandmother loved all of our content. So I made sure she got love every game. Um, there's things like that where you kind of just got to know what's worth your while. Um, I feel like a lot of high in-game clips, unless they're like phenomenal, like dunk on the guy, ball bounces off the defender's head type thing, isn't going to stick anymore. It's just like people are not going to X for that content. Um, not that they aren't. I don't want to sit here and you guys quote me to tell your ADs you're not going to do it. But um, it isn't if you don't have the manpower, I don't think you're missing out on doing in-game highlights. Um, I think it is still beneficial to do highlight reels after games. It also depends on your manpower. That's where a tool like We Played Sports, that's where our conference, like now our video producers don't need to make melts after the game because they take that content and it clips it up for them. Um, so that's something that I'm actually looking into for us so that we can be able to get clips that way. Because again, I don't have a photographer on staff. I don't have a videographer on staff. I don't have a graphic designer on staff. So if we're doing this stuff, it's coming through us or student workers. And that's where, okay, where should our time be spent? And so that's where we're looking into some of these tools again, going back to that AI and how that can be super beneficial for us. Right. And one thing you just mentioned was, you know, going to X for a specific type of content. How do you differentiate content for your different channels? 
So I see this specific question here. TikTok is meant to be that fun, lighthearted content. Like we'll post some, like again, if we have one of those like nasty plays where like ESPN top 10 worthy, like we'll post that stuff on TikTok, but mostly it's that fun content. Again, for all of you that are smaller departments who might not have all the hands on deck, we do, um, I have a team of 10 interns who again, live on TikTok. They know the trends. They know what's happening. I let them do it. They send me the videos. I'm like, perfect. Sounds good. And then they post it. Um, that is just, it's a way that we can still be in a space that we need to be in, but not get over consumed with the time commitment. Instagram is a mix of all of that. I feel like it's meant to be in-game. It's meant to, or not in-game. It's meant to be clips. It's meant to be more of the serious content, the fun content. That's like kind of your, your catch-all platform. And then X is kind of like just the quick news hitting stuff at this point is what we use it for. We put releases up there it's game day, that type of stuff. Sorry, I'm talking a lot. Awesome. That's super helpful. And you also just mentioned, you know, um, having uh, students being able to be part of that content creation. So um, for you and for Matthew and Robert, um, what are some ways to, you know, streamline social content distribution, um, particularly creating and scheduling posts on social? Um, yeah, well, I definitely have an answer in terms of utilizing some sort of scheduler uh, tool. Um, you want to be able to get out ahead in terms of the content they're getting out on your channels. And so at Gipper, for example, you have the ability to publish across all your social channels, all the team accounts, and you can you know set your captions uh, per platform and you can post those in real time or schedule them to go out a specific day or, or time in the future. That's like table stakes. You got to be doing that. Otherwise, um, you're going to be wasting your time. You're going to miss out on opportunities because things are going to come up. Um, beyond that, I think utilizing um, other folks within the department to participate in the creation distribution um, can be meaningful from a time-saving standpoint. And it's not all about time savings. Like, of course it is because there's time that is a limited amount and you can't get anything done outside of those bounds. So it's critical. At the same time, you want to do things well. And so one of the great things about getting more folks involved is that you actually can distribute more content, uh, which can help from an engagement perspective, um, obviously depending on uh, how you're creating and sharing it. So uh, I would say definitely use um, some sort of social media management and scheduler like uh, we have within Gipper and then get other folks involved, like Kristen has talked about repeatedly in terms of leveraging her students uh, to help from uh, TikTok and the channel perspective. Without the students, I imagine Kristen, your TikTok can look a lot different, a lot less content, probably. Yeah. Probably like non-existent. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, yeah. I, I see, um, Lydia, I know you were picking out questions, but I see one that I just want to jump on, which is around how to keep up with trends on social besides constantly being on social media. This is a great question. Rely on people who are constantly on social media. Uh, there's definitely no way to truly understand the trends without living and breathing these platforms. Uh, so come to webinars like this, where, um, you know, for example, as a company, not only do we work with 4,000 uh, organizations, we have the data around all those organizations and how they're utilizing the platform. And we're in uh, all of those conversations and seeing how they're uh, sharing content on their channels, as well as, uh, have a team of folks that are living on these different channels, seeing it personally. So like we just have an unfair advantage from an access to content and data to understand kind of what's happening. And so come to webinars like this, 
Uh, we have a blog that uh, you can uh, subscribe to as well, where we share important kind of social media information on a regular basis. Um, we did a big like report on social media in 23, and there's other folks uh, I'm sure that you can find who um, you know may have valuable information. But don't lose your mind uh, living, breathing it 24/7. Uh, cheat a little bit and get the information from other people who are who are doing it. I was about to say, I go to, um, our campus has a, so a social media manager for the entire campus. And so I meet with that group once a month and that's where I sit there and I say to her, what are the trends? What do I need to know? And then she's the one that gives me the lowdown and I know what we should be hitting in that month too. So let the person on your campus, who that's their one job while you have your 10 or whatever you might have, let that person whose one job is social media on your campus to be able to give you that insight if your campus has one. Awesome. And before we jump into um, some questions uh, about Gipper, uh, we do have one. So from the perspective of someone who works in a conference office, um, do you all have any tips on ways to create content to enhance their social platforms without being biased? I could jump in. I, yeah, Robert, you go ahead for sure. And then I have a, a big one. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, well, there, there's the, I have a follow-up question around what does enhance our social media platforms actually mean? Because there's a number of things that can mean building brand awareness, that could be getting more engagement. And I think the kind of response would kind of be catered to that. However, we've actually kind of partnered up and I've worked with different um, conferences that have taken a different stance on this. Some folks are actually kind of branding the content more towards the actual university. And they've actually seen that the university is more likely to share that content versus when it's just branded for um, themselves. I've seen kind of the flip side when I worked at the Big 12, we had our own branding, we reported out the same information, but under our kind of overarching brand, didn't necessarily result in the same type or level of engagement, but it was a way for us to appear more unbiased and kind of just have that kind of neutral tone on our social channels. Um, but I think what you should really do is just ask your members, um, ask them what would be more supportive. Is it you retweeting or supporting their content that they're putting out? Is it you actually putting out more content for them to engage with and bringing your audience to their um, viewership? I think that's kind of the, the questions that will that will resonate from from trying to understand this. But um, it's 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 I've seen it vary from from conference to conference for sure. Yeah. One thing I just want to add to that is um, look at also outside of just like visual uh, perspective and visual branding. Um, Look at all the opportunity outside of the performances on the field, the court, the gym. Um, focus on highlighting the people of these member programs, current student athletes, alumni student athletes, coaches, staff, fans. And if you're uh, kind of going around in a round robin sense, finding stories that you can highlight or voices that you can amplify through user generated content, other forms of content creation, um, there's nothing biased about that. Um, and it's going to be even more meaningful from an engagement perspective, uh, to be able to pull people into the conference and better understand the member schools when you have meaningful stories and personalities to highlight. So that I would, I would actually focus content strategy, uh, or a portion of it, siphon it off, uh, away from performance and more about storytelling and, uh, uh highlighting personality. That could be things like um, pregame rituals, uh, actual stories uh, from student athletes, particularly international student athletes can get a day in the life when they go home, when they're not uh, at their university or within their program, all of these sort of uh, forms of uh, content that are outside of performance. Awesome. 
And then the very last question, um, you know, came through when we were talking about content requests. Um, so could you touch a little bit more on that? Uh, maybe some of the ways, you know, uh, Gipper can, can streamline that process and how to get access to that. Yep, absolutely. So um, in terms of content requests, that is a part of our premier plan. Uh, so if you go to our website, gipper.com backslash pricing, uh, you can uh, see our pricing options. And again, that is a part of our premier plan. Um, in terms of the actual uh, platform and the functionality, you can access content requests. Uh, as soon as you log into Gipper, it's going to live within your gallery. And you can click on a button that says uh, content requests, and you can create as many requests as you would like that you can distribute to athletes, alumni, staff members, whoever. They'll receive that link, be able to upload content directly into it. If they're on their phone, they can take a quick video or even photos and upload it into the uh, request. And then all of that content is going to get stored in your gallery in folders based on the request itself. So it's easily accessible for your use within templates, publishing directly to social, or downloading and using as part of a longer form campaign. So as long as you have the premier plan, you'll have the ability to take advantage uh, of content requests. And as someone who's used that, like we've done it to record uh, like senior day videos, we've done it to do Mother's Day videos, we sent the links to the athletes, it was super easy for them to use. And it just houses it all right there underneath your plane, like underneath whatever campaign you're doing as well, it keeps it super organized. And it's, it's a great tool, as someone who's used it multiple times. <laughs> awesome. Well, that wraps up our Q&A for today. Um, so that will conclude today's presentation. Um, if you all have any additional questions or would like to get in touch with us, um, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, in the coming days, you'll also receive a follow-up email with a link to the recording of today's webinar, um, as well as some additional resources and ways to get in touch with us. So as we close, I just wanna extend a heartfelt thank you to CSC for hosting today's webinar to our three speakers for sharing their expertise with us and to you all for spending your time with us today. Um, don't forget to visit the CSC website and social channels for the many upcoming live webinars later this month and in February. Uh, so thank you all again, and we look forward to continuing the conversation.